as a student, how many black teachers did you if your have? answer is two or less, you are not alone. We know that black teachers are under attack. And with all the conversation happening about black teacher recruitment, shouldn't we be talking about retention too? So where are all of our black teachers? I'm so glad you asked. In the new monthly podcast series from Two Dope Productions, the exit interview coming in late January, Asia Lyons. Hey, y'all. And me, Kevin Adams, talk with former black educators who've been pushed out of the classroom. We want to know their stories. Who or what made them leave? How was their family affected by the push out? And most importantly, what are they doing now that they've left the classroom? If you'd like to be on the exit interview, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers or email us at twodopeteachers at gmail.com. So we can start doing the bark, but I think it might be copyrighted. Nah, man, I, you know, I'm just trying to make stuff. You know, we got some new. Dude, we gotta, we gotta keep it, keep it fresh for 21. fresh for 21. Fresh for 21. That's right. What's up, everybody? Members of the Two Dope Nation. Welcome back to Two Dope Teachers on a Microphone. My name's Sinarco Munoz. It's your boy Kevin Adams. We are coming at you in January. By the yes. time, yes, January. Um, my mother likes to talk about how January is her least favorite month of the year. Really? Considering that that's when I'm born, I, I'm just you're like, wait a minute. And and I bring this up, and she's like, ha ha ha, I know. I know. I, you're like, are you trying to say something? She's like, yeah, pretty much. No, she's, I mean, no, she's not that direct with it. She's kind of like, oh yeah, I know. Uh, maybe that was the only good thing that happened. And I'm like, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes, mothers. Uh, well, I, I will go ahead and say this. Get it on record. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank there we go. Tomorrow. Big by day. Time, by the time y'all hear this, my 45th birthday will be a distant memory. Um, and Isn't that funny how it works? You get so excited and then it happens and the well, day's just, over. And for, me it's just, like, for me, it's just a comment on I'm getting older and I won't literally remember probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, brother. Thank you. We, we have we to go. go back. Like, I think, man, you were still in your 30s when we started this. Was I? No. Well, maybe. Yeah, I guess I was. Yeah, because nah, we. This, this yeah, is. I guess so. Five. Dang. We just started year five in December. Dang. By the way, uh, happy fourth birthday to the two dope teachers and a mic podcast. Turn four on December twenty eighth of two thousand and twenty. That was wild. That was good stuff. Wow. So, wow. Getting old. So so yeah, like four years ago, you were in your thirties, brother. There we go. Oh wow. Man. Wow. That, that, that that's gone by very fast. It just, it really, it really has. Time flies when you're having fun, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, listen. So, um, thank you for uh, downloading us today. Um, and you know, you can even listen, but we just want the downloads, to be honest with you. Um, oh, but you're gonna want to listen to what we you're got. Gonna we, wanna... we got the hot fire for you guys today. Yeah, we got fire today. We got fire today. Uh, before we talk, before Kevin tells us what kind of fire we are, uh, we are spewing today. Just want to invite you to follow us on social media if you're a first-time listener at Two Dope Teachers on Twitter and Instagram. You can also uh, like us, or as Cornelius Minor said, your auntie can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash two dope teachers and uh mic. You can also shoot us an email if you have um if you have show ideas, questions, want to connect, or if you want to send us DoorDash gift cards, uh, DoorDash gift email. cards. com. They be taxing, bro. I know. They be taxing. It's like, yeah. oh, I got a couple of things. It's $20. And then you get to check out, and it's a $65. Like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> what, what, how many cheeseburgers did I get? <laughs> 
thinking you made a mistake. Kevin, what kind of what kind of hot fire we got today? Yeah, we we have got a great uh, set of guests, a pair of guests, Julio Alas and Danielle Williams. That's right. And 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 uh, these are two of our amazing. I think I like when it comes to teaching, right? I think the higher the level, the lower the ability, right? So like it goes like it goes college professors. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot. Not Don't a lot. expect a lot. Not a lot. I love all my college professors. You no, guys man, but, but that's my always, brain. That's but always the compliment. Ability? Right? Ability. <laughs> it's like, oh, that college professor was great. They actually taught. <laughs> they tried. Then, then we get down to 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 those uh to to high school teachers, right? High school teachers, middle school teachers, <laughs> elementary, and then we have our early educators. Oh yeah. Who like when I think about like the learning curve, what those kids learn in the time, it's like you taught them everything. You oh, teach yeah. them everything. Yeah. No, I mean that's what uh, Claudia and I were talking about the other day. Is how like literally they come to her with nothing. Like it's not like <laughs> no. it's, it's not like our students who sometimes come to us with kind of low skills. They got no skills. They're like I, I don't know. They're like I got a boogie. And, and she, yeah, exactly. And she and she's and she's like, no, they really don't know anything. Like they're babies. They don't really know. Anything. Did I ever tell you the banana story from her class? Uh. Uh-uh. Oh my goodness. So, you know, this, she was doing snack at one point, right? And yes. she had bananas. And they're like, well, one banana, a whole banana is a lot for a four-year-old. So yes. she, what she did is she cut them in half, started handing them out. These little ones had no idea what to do with it. They're like looking at it and they just started <laughs> squeezing. They just started squeezing and she's like, no, no, what are you doing? They discovered something. They were like, look what you can do. And it's because they didn't know. But yeah, shout out to our early educators. And honestly, at some point, you know, it, it, we, we should really get their stories about being on the front lines of COVID. Uh, yep. You have spent the most, most time, time in, in the classroom, the yep. most time exposed. And it would be interesting to know what kind of positive cases we've got. But we ain't talking about that but, today. Uh, no, no, we have... Julio and Danielle, and they are both uh, early educators, but they're also members of the LGBT community. And so we are so excited to hear their voices, their stories, um, their authentic experiences. Um, And I think, you know, we were talking that this is something I think that we don't talk enough about in schools. That's right. What are the needs of our LGBTQ uh, plus students and teachers? And, and how do we make sure that we can uh, make them visible in our communities and, 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 and make them know that they belong in our communities and that we, we support them and that we ride or die with them. Absolutely. You know? And so I think I learned a lot from this interview. I think the audience is, is just good and it's a good converse place to take our conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, Kevin and I have talked a lot over um, recent time, just kind of about, you know, Two Dog Teachers and a Mic is committed to um, amplifying and remixing conversations around uh, race, power, and education. And, you know, when we really think about, are we truly creating a platform for all marginalized communities up here? And this is something that we'll cop to. We, we have not given sufficient airtime to our queer educators, to our LGBTQI plus educators. And we know that y'all are out there. We know that these are things, this is a life that you are living, the difficult negotiations every day. And you know, this, this, uh, this conversation was A, really enlightening, and B, just a reminder that we need more conversation. Like you're, you're gonna hear some really powerful stuff. You're also gonna realize, wow, there's a lot I don't know. There's a lot I need to read up on. And, you know, we're really jazzed for a continuing relationship uh, with Julio and Danielle. So I guess, Kev, without any further ado, I suppose we can just like let it rip, right? Get into it. Let's get into it. All right, y'all. Well, enjoy and uh, we will catch you in the next one. Well, Julio Alas. Danielle Williams, welcome to the show. How y'all doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Happy. Yes, doing doing really good. Thank you guys for having us. We are so glad you guys are here this afternoon. Absolutely. So, uh, funny funny story. Um, I've known Julio since he was in high school, and um, so back at my first school that I was teaching at, 
um, we had a group of guest speakers come in from North High School because you went to North, right? No, we we were. I was in college when I met you. And oh, I was, you were in college. Yep. Okay. Yes. And right. I was I was the guest speaker for your class um, at uh, CLA. Yep, at CLA. At CLA. And they came in, and I remember the DVD um, with the documentary that you all made that was like so dope. Um, Struggling to survive. Is that what it was called? No, Latino educational attainment. And then uh, that may have been our subtitle. Honestly, I can't even remember, but it was a life changing project, clearly. Absolutely. We are not going to put our ages on blast. Uh, (laughs) But so, so, uh, so me and Julio go back a really long way. And uh, Julio, my friend, thank you for being here. uh, Oh, good. This show. So we, um, we strive at Two Dope Teachers and a Mic to get the stories of teachers who come from marginalized communities um, out here. And so we're going to have our two guests introduce themselves right quick, and then we'll kind of jump in. So, so how we want to do this? Who wants to introduce? Who wants the mic first? Go ahead, Julia. Oh, I was going to give it over to you first. <laughs> no, all right. Well, thank you so much, y'all. My name is Julio Alas, and I am currently an educator in the early education department um, in Denver Public Schools. And really, I get to support teachers um, in the community, actually, in childcare sites that partner with Denver Public Schools. But I've been, but before that, though, I was actually a teacher in DPS, um, and I've been in early education for about the past 10 years. Um, started off in kinder and have taught everything from preschool to second grade. And, you know, I identify as a gay man. And let me tell you, um, it's it's been tough out there, you know, and I'm excited to, to talk a little bit about that, because I, I think these are the stories that need to be told, you know, about our LGBTQ communities. And, and so I'm so excited to have this opportunity to be here. And, and Gerardo, we've been talking about this for a while. So I, I'm just so grateful that, we, we, you know, yeah, right. Like we've made this happen and and to have an amazing colleague of mine here, Danielle Williams, who, you know, the both of us went through Denver teacher residency. So, Danielle, over to you. Tell us who you are. Yeah, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> my name is Danielle. Like Julio mentioned, I uh, uh, we met through DTR several years back. This is my ninth year teaching elementary and DPS. And so I hail from uh, Indian country, Oklahoma, but I've been here for about 11 years or so. And so. Uh, proud uh, Pawnee and Absentee Shawnee and DigiQueer here representing those groups. So yeah. thanks for having me. What? What? what, what? <laughs> so glad to have you. And shout out to our early educators. Y'all, y'all dealing with the hard years. I always, I was like, you know, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't. I'm like, it's, it, there's a lot, you know, after raising two kids and getting through, I can't imagine. And I watched the magic that my kids like pre-K and kindergarten through third grade that there's magic y'all y'all be working at magic i don't even know how it works it's like well and uh and being married to one of these early educators like it's just really interesting because like i don't even understand how y'all talk to them like (laughs) (laughs) like i have a hard time understanding sixth graders sometimes you know like so it's interesting um so let's talk a little bit about that both of you have um have stated as a as a part of your introduction that you identify as part of the LGBTQ community, and this is such a critical story because over the course of my two plus decades teaching, I've known educators who also identified as LGBTQ, but it was always a very like it it, it never came up in a formal way, and and uh, and and I'm and I'm very curious as to sort of your upbringing, how it sort of has landed you where you are, how it impacts your your sense of identity, and as queer educators of color, um, talk about those intersections and what those mean for you in terms of identity. Ooh, heavy, heavy. Yeah, we're, right we're starting the with intro, the lights. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Jump in. These are the easy questions. The, the, the top five rappers, that's the hard questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are the different, <laughs> yeah, we save, them, we save the tough ones for the <laughs> Dale, Daniel, why don't you take it away? I think, uh, you know, kind of when I think about, um, you know, being a member of this community in education, there are a lot of parallels with uh, my childhood. I feel like there was no visibility. Like I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma. Uh And so there was neither positive nor negative talk about, you know, queer life or queer people or 
So it just, it didn't exist. Obviously it existed, yep. but it wasn't a topic. And so growing up, you know, feeling whatever, those feelings and having all mm -hmm. those questions like mm -hmm. went unaddressed, you know? And so I feel like that's similar in education. It's not, you know, I think we talk a lot about social justice as far as race issues recently, not necessarily in the past, but the issues of identity um, or gender is never really brought up in, yeah. in my experience. Or if it is, you know, sometimes it's uh, more about middle school and high school and not necessarily lent to elementary age students who may be going through, um, you know, <laughs> that, that stage of inquiry of who they are and mm -hmm. uh, things like that. And I just think, you know, how different could my um, experience had been had I had a teacher that was openly out um, yeah. in any format at any age, you know? Yep. So, was, yep. was there ever uh, any, any sense on your part that maybe one of your teachers was, but you know, did you ever have even a hint or was it kind of this experience of like, wow, there's like literally nobody like me? Yeah, it wasn't until I was in college that I had a teacher that identified as, as bisexual. If I had teachers like that growing up, they were very uh, careful and, yeah. and, and hiding that. I don't know if hiding's the word, but they were very careful about how they were perceived by the community and by the children. And I think in a small town, you know, it's there's a lot of... Uh, religious <laughs> pressure you know yep. what you can and can't talk about and kind of right-wing you know beliefs yep. and stuff so not that i know of ever yeah. until college yeah 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 that's interesting thank you mm -hmm. yeah. that yeah. for sure that resonates danielle exact same thing i don't remember ever being seen and 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 then even not even knowing what gay was, right? Um, again, you know, I, I identify a, as a gay man and and I, for the longest, I once I discovered what it was, yeah. I knew it was bad. That's because that was the message. That was what that, you would know. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I, I remember vividly that came around probably middle school where I would have these thoughts of, ooh, don't let them think you're gay. You're not gay. You, you No, you don't want that. You can't yeah. be that, right? Yep. That toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And in Spanish, our machismo. machismo. So grow, growing up with that, that boys don't play with dolls. And my dad, bless his heart, would buy me my Barbies, but was very, very macho. And, you yeah. know, but I, but I, I, I love that, that he did that. You know, yep. he, I think he... I don't know. I, I, maybe he saw something in, in, in that he was willing to do that for me. But but that was it. Once I got older, it was don't stand like that. Mm -hmm. Don't talk like that. Right. And and so that upbringing, I think, then transferred over into college. And that's when I started recognizing like, wow, there is a queer community. Yes. And, and just saying the word queer, because the, back then, this was like early 2000s, that that was even a little taboo, right? It's, yeah. it's just gay. No, it's, it's our queer community. And, and so fast forward to college and, you know, I, I, I come out and I, I met my husband and have been happily married for the past 15 years now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, together with him and because we couldn't get married for, you know, we just got married six yeah. years ago. But yeah, now, man. you know, we've been together for those 15 and. And I think that influenced me at the beginning of my career as a teacher to question, how will I tell children that I am who I am? Right. And, and then, and working with young children, right? Yep. What does that look like? And so yep. that, that was definitely, you know, my upbringing definitely played a big role and, and society, our heteronormative society, right? Um, but I'm changing that now, I think, uh, because <laughs> visibility is key. And, I, and I'm excited to tell you a little bit about that. Yeah, That's think, right. No, know, I love a little teaser, little teaser. Like, <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, like Julio mentioned the expectations of, you know, whether it's cultural or whatever, I feel like, you know, my mom went through the same challenge. She's like, you know, how, how can my daughter be a woman if she's gay? Right? Yeah, how do you yeah. get married? How do you have children? How do you do yeah. all these different things? And so I think that was really a struggle, you know. Yeah. It's for yeah. parents to, to think about their children under in that light. Would you, would you characterize your parents as overall supportive? Um, you know, Julio, it sounds like there was a little bit of a shift, but how, how would you characterize that relationship? I mean, coming out, so I hid it for so long until I was going to get married. I, I told wow. my husband, we, we can't get married until my parents know. And so I, I you know, told them I, I, I was my authentic self and 
finally disclosed, you know, who I was. And my mom, I will never forget. Those of you listening can't see this, but she had her hand on her chin and she just said, oh, and her head went down. And so that was a blow to my heart, right? she, She was devastated. And then I said, well, I'm also getting married and my dad's gonna need to find out. And he just starts strolling in through the front door. And, and I let him know. Yeah. And he said it, it was the most bizarre interaction. That, and I still to this day process it. But hmm. he, he goes, I knew. He laughed. He says, I knew. Huh, you know, and I was like, oh, great. Well, guess what? I'm also getting married. And I thought he would laugh and be happy. Yes. And he said, yo no voy a soportar esas babosadas, which translates to wow. I'm not going to support that foolishness like the, that that that. I don't even know if that's like the best translation, but it's, it's like that, that my yeah. life was foolish, that it yeah. that I was, yeah. who I was, who I wow. am. Wow. Isn't, isn't valid. But I went, I got married. We, we basically eloped, you know, with yeah. five friends that went to go, you know, be there with us. And we came back and it was hard. My mom, you know, struggled to say your husband, this is my, my son-in-law, this is my son's husband. And to this day, I have those struggles, you know, when we go to Mexico or when we go to El Salvador, right? Um, My husband's from Mexico and I'm, my family's from El Salvador. And it's just, those are the struggles, but I will say this, um, time heals a lot of things and and lets you process. And my mom and my dad um, finally are are in this place where they, it rolls off their tongue. They love my husband, all of our kids, all of our nieces and nephews, Tio Julio, Tio Manny, you know, it's, (laughs) you know, so it took time, but man, it, it, it's a struggle. (laughs) Right. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, I think uh, my dad had a similar reaction. I was 19. I thought I was, you know, even going through high school, like I said, like I knew by that time, like what gay was or what queer was. But, you know, I thought maybe I was doing a good job of hiding it, you know, and I told my my parents, I told my mom in a letter (laughs) because I was afraid. And so uh, my dad, same thing. He's like, and like I know, like you know, uh, is this news to you? Is it supposed to be news to me? And oh wow! So and my brothers also had the same reaction as my dad. So that made me feel a little bit comfortable. It's like okay, so I just have one person, you know, that I need yeah. to deal with, um, my mother. But it took her a while. But now, um, my wife and I got married two years ago, wow. and you know, my parents were there, happy, smiles, all of that stuff, but it was a transition. It got to the point where I said, either you love me or you don't, you know, (laughs) so that was kind of a a hard turn for her, but now that's, you know, everything's gravy, I guess, in that way, so. Yeah, it Uh, it is interesting to see um, how things do kind of change over time, and, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, what a, what a process, you know, like when, when people, when, pe- when people from the LGBTQ community talk about coming out, it's it's not about it's not like that you have this day and it's like this ticker tape parade and everybody knows it's like there's there's very intentional conversations and who are you gonna tell who you're not gonna tell yet who you're gonna tell by proxy um, and that that process just seems exhausting. Yeah, this is a part of the conversation that Julio and I had when he was you know introducing me you know to this. Uh, Uh, possibility of this conversation and it's like you know we it was hard enough to come out the first time yeah every year as educators we talked about how you have to come out time and time again you know to students to parents the staff yeah yeah what do you what 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 do you guys find the reaction is to like in general would you because you have to go through it like as it changed over your your careers like is there like I feel like you know as a middle school teacher there are certain words that I have noticed are used way less than when I started teaching. They've just kind of disappeared uh-huh. from the vernacular. And I'm just wondering, like, is, is, how has, have you seen an evolution in the way people react or respond or, you know, process? That's an interesting question. Yeah. I, I think that for students, no, <laughs> the, the, the issue was never with students, students. being accepting mm. like, and they would kind of just, you know, let it roll off their back. And, you know, somebody <laughs> asked me, like, are you going to see your parents? Or what did your mom cook for dinner or something? Like, my mom don't live here, but <laughs> my wife cooked whatever. And she's like, oh, oh. like, is your wife a good cook? And, like, the conversation just continued. Like, she didn't bat, bat an eye, you know? <laughs> I was yeah. like, so I, I think with, and 
you know, unfortunately, I don't think it's changed with some parents either. You know, they have strong beliefs, whether those are cultural, religious, personal, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and they they truly believe in those and they stick to it. And I don't uh, personally haven't seen much of an evolution in adults, even some co- co-workers. I think they have learned to kind of bite their tongue or, you know, if they disagree, kind of keep the those ideas within their circle or people that are on that same level. But I mean, I guess it depends on who you're talking about as far as evolution of acceptance. Yeah. Julio, yeah. you, uh, sure. you had a reaction to that. <laughs> yeah, I no, I did because when, when Kevin asked that, I finally, uh, it br- brought up this beautiful memory in my mind when I finally decided to, to read a story to the children about a little girl who had two dads and has this dilemma of who am I going to bring on Mother's Day to the preschool party? Yes. Yeah. And wow. this beautiful story, it's called uh, Stella Brings the Family. Stella and, Brings the Family. It, it's so good. And what I love about it is the whole book, this little, the, the kids in her class are saying, well, who takes care of your boo-boos? Who tucks you in at night? And she's like, well, Papa so-and-so and Daddy this and, and Grandma and my cousin. And then it ends up bringing that Stella brings her whole family on Mother's Day. And so as I asked this question to the children, right, prompting higher level thinking. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, high leverage moves. Exactly, high level instructional moves. Uh, That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I I told the children. I said, so what was Stella's problem? And and this little boy goes, she has two dads, but it's okay. She brought the whole family. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Four years old, right? This this little four year old. And, and, and I mean, it was this beautiful moment, but I feel like it, it took me so long to, to be able to get there. And, and, and it's true, the children, I mean, I wish I would have just known that, that the children are never, they, they weren't going to judge me. They, to them, it, it, if anything, it helps them to yep. see that, hmm. that being straight, heteronormativity is not the default, yes. right? And, yep. and so, so that moment was that really is what struck me, but with parents, that is still a line to this day that I struggle with. And, and I almost hate to say this, but I feel like I don't let them know until yep. they've gotten to know more of my practice mm-hmm. of, who, of who I am professionally. And then home visit comes up or we're just in some, you know, conversation with each other. And I'll say, yeah, my, I'll slip in the my husband or yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But 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 to your point, Gerardo, this is the thing. It's always you're always thinking, when will I say what? Or at least me. This is yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. When when will I say this is my husband or my husband and I or I'm gay or queer or what whatever it is. Fortunately, though, more now, it, I, I, I just am. I just have to be. I just have to be unapologetically me. And mm-hmm. but it's hard. It's hard. But I do think I, I I feel that times are changing a little bit, but it's it regardless, it's challenging, man. It's challenging. But those kids, they don't care. Yeah. They they love you. They love you. The, the kids are beautiful that way. And it's it's so that yeah, I I love both of those stories, you know, because it goes to show that that like it's not a big deal to the kids, you know. And I think we think some of this stuff is going to be shocking, or how will the kids handle it? Why would we introduce or, or mention this? Well, I think it goes to, back to the original points that you both made. Was like, there's something about representation and seeing it, and 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 we know that there's got to be LGBTQIA plus kids right out there, and so they've got to see all sorts of teachers, especially people like them, right? If we want to counteract those negative uh how we internalize those negative attitudes about ourselves absolutely Absolutely. and and this is actually again with the adults when i had to have a conversation with my leadership one year i said you know i really need to come out like the family unit comes up all the time the beginning that's the first thing with children yeah right (laughs) and 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 you know what i used to say my family was i would draw my little house yeah (laughs) i live with my mom and my dad and i have my you know, brothers and sisters, and I never would say the truth of, but I live at with my husband, right? And this school leader, when I told her this dilemma, love her to death, but at that moment says, yeah, and we want to make sure we're appropriate for five-year-olds, right? (laughs) What did they think you were going to say? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It just, but, but, but can you imagine then, right? That was, I think I was in maybe my fifth or sixth year of teaching 
and and barely then feeling comfortable enough to, yeah. to have that yeah. conversation yeah. which is a big conversation right and yeah. so and now it, you're like that, you're, you're the one that made this weird <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> weird until exactly. you said that <laughs> and and so it, it just goes to that point again right like this is where we we see and we know that because representation isn't there even adults yep can't can't grapple with the, that notion that an lgbtq person exists yeah, yeah. so uh we're gonna take a quick break when we come back um I, you know this conversation's been so much fun because we you know we're we're definitely getting different elements of the story we're gonna kind of hone in on um on teaching and how you all decided to become teachers and what um sustains you and what struggles you've had and those kinds of things uh we will be back right after this. Hey, what up, family? We are deeply grateful for all your support these last few years. Your engagement on social media, downloads, enthusiasm, reviews have kept us going since we started this adventure nearly five years ago. Now, we want to let you know that we have a Patreon where you can support us. We want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your ongoing support of the content that remixes the conversation about race, power, and education. We have big hopes and dreams that you have inspired, and with your financial support, those dreams can begin to take shape in reality. In the coming weeks, you'll learn about projects that we can now go forward with because you have stepped up. Of course, we still have numerous projects filed away that are awaiting your support. You can support by visiting patreon.com slash 2DopeTeachers. Patrons who join at the 2Dope level get a 2Dope Nation sticker designed by local artist Sham. And what's better than stickers, am I right? Patrons will enjoy special access to 2DopeTeachers Kevin and Gerardo in the form of Ask Me Anything threads, throwbacks to old episodes, occasional Zoom meetings, sneak previews to upcoming work and public appearances, and sometimes bonus episodes. Like there's already a new secret project that patrons have already been told about that we will be launching in January. We asked and you responded. We look forward to learning and growing with you. Let's keep remixing this conversation on race, power, and education. Welcome back, everybody. Um, just before the break, we were talking to Julio and Danielle about their experiences, both growing up gay and sort of learning about queer identities and learning to navigate on that daily basis in the teaching profession. Um, so I'm I'm just curious because, like like Kevin and I, um, and you know, Cornelius Minor kind of set us straight on this, but whenever Kevin and I see BIPOC teachers, we're kind of like how did this happen? And why are we not best friends yet? You know, like there is that kind of like curiosity about, about how we came into this work. And so as queer educators of color, how did y'all come into this work and kind of what sustains you as you continue to do it? Yeah, I think uh, for me, actually, I came into teaching uh, almost by accident. I when I was uh, in college working through my graduate degree, uh, a few of my professors were kind enough to uh, uh, let me be an adjunct professor hey, while studying hey, Spanish at the time. And so mm. uh, they gave me the opportunity to teach Spanish one and two because they knew like, hey, man, this girl ain't got no money. She's trying to make it, whatever. Yep. <laughs> so yep. they were kind enough to- uh, They're like, would you like, like a paycheck? <laughs> right, you look like you need some help. <laughs> so, I had every intention of, uh, you know, teaching at the college level, Latin American, you know, civ and cult and, you know, be that, that person, you know, that I really, yeah. you know, was interested in that. But I moved to Denver. My brother was going here to Johnson and Wales and he was a single father at the time. And I got here and I could not get a job because I'm not a native Spanish speaker. Uh, I didn't have a PhD and all this other stuff. And I, I ended up finding the Denver teacher residency. And I said, well, heck, I guess I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And so they accepted me. And then once I started, you know, it was about the kids. You know, I really enjoyed working with kids and, you know, spending time with them, sharing message, being a positive influence. 
Because yeah. a lot of times we think about, you know, what teachers we had that were great, yep. which ones were right. not very yep. great. And I was like, yep. oh, I could do this for a little bit. And so nine years later, <laughs> I'm still, still here. Fun. So it was never like a plan, like, I'm going to be a teacher. And, you know. Yeah. It's interesting because so many of us um, who identify as BIPOC teachers, like that's that's our path in is going, you know, like we we didn't dream of it. Although my mom tells me that I used to like have class with my friend. Like, like I and I'm just having a hard time imagining this. Like I'm living in five points and I don't picture you doing that. And I'm playing school with my homies on the block. But anyway, different story. Um, But like, but I mean, it was it's one of those things because I, I think for me, I couldn't relate to most of my teachers, so I couldn't see myself as one of them. That's right. So shout out to teacher and residence. That's how I came into this profession. I went through the teacher and residence program, and it'd just be interesting to see how many of us um, would not be in the work if it hadn't been for the alternative uh, Mm -hmm. licensure routes. So interesting. What about you, Julio? That's so true. You know, for me, Leo, you seem like you were born to teach, though. Like, I mean, <laughs> like there was. I remember a couple years ago when you were at another school when I brought my ninth graders out to like read to kids. Oh yeah, man, you were like on it, and I'm like, this dude is like gonna be on Oprah for his teaching. <laughs> like, <laughs> so how did it? How did it play out for you? Oh man, you you are too kind. I, I mean, honestly, it, it goes back to this notion of representation. You know, I, I will never forget in college having my first Latina professor wow. teaching a class called Latinos in American Society. And okay. just the title, I was like, good Lord, being yep. at a predominantly white institution, you know, I said, I'm, I'm taking that class. We got all of our friends to take it. And it was the most brown <laughs> class that I had ever been in at this particular university, you know, that was very, again, predominantly white. And so it may have been the whitest university in the country at that point. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, and so I'm I'm like that gif. Yep. You know, exactly. (laughs) I wish everyone could see that. (laughs) I know I have a great face for um, audio. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. <laughs> no. And so we're in this class day one and this amazing professor who is a mentor and friend to this day is just spitting out all these this data on on Latinos in American society at that particular point in time. And I was shocked when I found out that Latinos had the highest dropout rate at that time. And so then I was riled up like, well, why am I here? How yep. did I do yep. this? Like, what's going on? You know? And so then, um, Gerardo, you alluded to this video earlier, the one that you sh- that we shared with you. We did a, a, a whole project throughout the course yeah. of, of this, of this um, class where we studied Latino educational attainment, what's helping kids, what's not, what, you know, at our, at that level, right? And and so that just kind of, that passion balled in. I thought I was going to be a psychologist. I, I wanted to work with children and families in that capacity. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, I graduate. I'm I'm recognizing that mental health isn't really where I want to be per se. And right. I really want to work with kids. And the Denver Teacher Residency sends me an email through the alumni listserv. And oh. boom, I'm like, and they're going to pay for the master's. Okay. So, you know, like I, I said, I, I want to be with kids. With the master's like, no, that's cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so that then got me into teaching. And, but really, I, I, I think that, you know, the stars aligned and that little nugget that day in that college class fueled me and to this day fuels me because it's not okay. Why do we still have an opportunity gap? why like it just you know and 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 we know why we know Mm -hmm. why yeah yeah and and so this this is what i'm dismantling uh, and 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 what i'm grateful about this podcast in particular is that y'all are doing this work and using this digital media to get these voices out there and i mean i'm just again grateful for this opportunity with you all and that that you do this and i hope you guys never stop (laughs) i hope we never stop either kevin gets sick of me sometimes but um (laughs) But I feel like he copes with that by ignoring my texts. Um, he's kind of like, get this dude out of here. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. But but I think, you know, the, the stories that, that you know, people willing to share their stories, you know, we're unfortunately living um, 24 hours after a pretty terrifying incident that happened in our nation's capital. And I spent a lot of time in conversation with uh, my students today saying, you know, I teach history saying that, you know, the whole point of history is for us to bear witness and to name the things that we see and say that I was there and I am here and we are here 
and there will be a record of these things. And so to that point, Julio and Danielle, when, when y'all come on this, on this platform and tell your stories, you know, you're bearing witness for, you know, countless people um, who, who are, who are just going to hear your message and, and have it resonate with them. Um, and, and, you know, just so humbled for that, you know, Kevin, you look like uh, you have a question or am I wrong? Yeah, go ahead, Danielle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I can resonate with that comment too, because there are a lot of people that are out there. For example, there's a lot of indigenous educators and, uh, people that speak to that, but I don't hear very many of them talking about queer topics. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, that that leaves out a group of our people that aren't represented and to be able to be here and kind of bring that to the forefront. You know, like you said, that visibility is um, a great opportunity. It's yeah. more than one group, you know, that we're representing. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's really important, you know, and just thinking about the perspective and I, I think it just helps me as a teacher, you know, because I have LGBTQIA plus students, right? And so like, I'm a cisgendered hetero male. And so like, I, there's only so much that I know about the experience, right? And so I think it's really important to have a diverse teaching community that reflects the types of kids that we have. Um, if I could ask you to, if, if I could, you know, any advice or, or, or what you could say teachers can do to better meet the needs of their LGBTQIA plus students? Like, what would you say? What would be like maybe your top piece of advice of how they can approach and support those students? That's, yeah. Don't assume that everybody is straight and comes from a heteronormative household. For me, the, the year when I finally said, I am no longer living with mom and dad in my family stories. I'm living with my husband, right? For yep. these kids. Yep. It was when I, at, during a visit, I, I had a student who his mother um, was dating another woman. And this little guy loved uh, his mom's girlfriend. And, and I said to myself, and this was at the pre-meeting where, where you get to know the family before school starts, the children get to see the room. And I went home that day when I always have the question of how will I come out? Will I come out? What will that look like? That internal grapple that yep. I do every year. Yep. And that's the year I said, I am doing a disservice if I am not incorporating this child's identity of having a queer family member and being in a queer family. Yeah. And, and, and so that's, that, that was the breaking point wow. for me. And so I guess that my advice to these teachers is just like we do with all of our other critical cultural lenses, yep. th this is one of those lenses we need. Do you have books about queer people? Do you, right. are, are you, you know, do you have a pride flag hung up in your room? Maybe you're, don't identify with that. Yep. But if you, if, if I was a kid and I saw that, whew, I'd be like, I think this person is someone I can talk to, or this Definitely. might be a safe space. This yeah. person is safe. Yeah, absolutely. And, exactly. And that's a piece that's been interesting just from, from my perspective as a Latinx person. Um, that, And this is a debate, Julio. I'm, I'm sure you've heard it. I'm sure we've all heard it a little bit. Like, I don't use Latinx for myself, per se, but mm -hmm. using the term Latinx is how we signal to people who are queer, yep. non-conforming, that I'm a safe person for you because I'm going to use that terminology. And so that's so interesting and such an interesting perspective that it isn't so much that it like in, as in, in addition to supporting students who may be questioning, um, especially when they're really little, um, you're also supporting even a, a student who may identify as straight, but their parents are queer. You know, that's a really yep. interesting point that, that that's thank you for sharing that so much definitely no and even just real quick another thing that that we see common in schools is lining up by boy and girl like here's mm -hmm. the boy line mm -hmm. here's the girl line yeah. you likely have a child who might be gender non-conforming yep. who might be gender fluid transgender and and how would that little even second grader third grader preschooler who already i does is like i'm not really a boy or a girl yep. What yeah. are we saying to them with that? So for me, it was like, all right, we're doing alphabetical order and each week we rotate the line leader so everybody gets a turn, you know? And go. then other we're ways teaching a skill. It. Yeah. yeah. There's other ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I, I love that. There's other ways to do it. That, that I think is one thing to consider. Yeah. 
Yeah, I for sure. That. I think, you know, something uh, like that, that we would consider, you know, simple, but also using inclusive language, you know, yes. asking students how they want to be identified, you know, mm -hmm. uh, what do they want to be called? What is their name? What do they go by? What are their pronouns? Um, I think, you know, is, is strong. It, it shows students that you care. And I think the add on, you know, what Julio said about, you know, providing a safe space for students. I feel like some teachers do that or they attempt to do that, but they may not be prepared to have those conversations with students when they come in and say, you know, this is a safe place or they feel like they trust you. So, right. you know, be educated on even, you know, the slightest things that you can or be prepared with resources. If you um, are not comfortable having those conversations for whatever reason, it could be, you know, administrative or, uh, parental backlash or all these other topics have some resources available that these uh, students or families can follow up with uh, to be able to to support themselves or their their students in these in these journeys because just hanging up a flag I got to be ready because when that conversation comes up we don't want to uh, make them feel like you know it was fake or yep yep right. oh, they they'll know to. they will know they yeah will know. they will straight away and so um, I think be prepared, be educated, you know, check your biases and, and at the least have those resources ready and, and watch your language. And <laughs> you know? Maybe I could ask a follow up to that, Daniel. So, you know, Ke Kevin and I had a had a uh, we had an exchange of a couple years back on an episode where he talked about people sort of saying the words, but not necessarily living them or knowing what they mean. Kevin, I think your your phrase was don't fake the funk. Right. <laughs> so what are some ways that um, that you've seen teachers in particular, but people in general kind of fake the funk around? Yeah, this is a safe space. You know, they gave they gave us those placards to put up in our doors with the triangle and yeah. that kind of thing. And um, so what where have you seen folks who are just ill prepared to provide the support that they say that they want to provide? Um, you know, I've heard some, you know, stories from, you know, students or teachers in middle school. They're like, hey, the student came to talk to me and they just cut it off. They were like, now's not the time or that's not really my place to have that conversation with you. Or what was really kind of devastating to the student was that they said, well, let me talk to your parents first. Oh, <laughs> so, well, no, no, no. Asking you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They don't even understand. Yeah. yeah, the teacher was just put on the spot and they just shut it off automatically. And so, um, like I said, that was in middle school. I think in elementary school, you're able to finesse a little bit more with the students and uh, kind of have those conversations. And then if they go home and talk to their parents, then you're able to check in and say, hey, like, this is what I believe. And I'm here to support your student mm -hmm. in all these different ways, you know, so you are probably actually a psychologist julio and that's it so we have students, i mean that's it you know through all the you don't have to do it <laughs> yeah that's a part of it you know and it's like i care about your student and all parts of them but that's i have right. seen I, I have heard of and seen teachers be like that's not my issue yeah or now's not the time you know and so well, just don't, be ready for that don't but i think like if a if a student's coming to you with something like that whenever that happens to me i or, or they share their pronouns or anything about, you know, their identity that is not obvious, I really value it. I'm like, okay, there's something for some reason, I guess I'm doing a good job of making this child <laughs> feel comfortable job, in, good job. in my classroom. And they're willing to share these things. And I, I just think it's really important. And, and I thank you guys for that advice, because I think it's something that we don't talk about. We talk about equity in all sorts of ways. And I think this is something that gets pushed off because it's uncomfortable to a variety of people. And I think the dominant culture uh, is, is, is willing to say, well, we'll be uncomfortable with it. And so we, we tend to ignore it. And we know what happens when we ignore things like that. Yeah, there's, I think there's like opportunities for schools to take these steps to support their students. Uh, like I said, especially, you know, middle school, high school, there's a, a program or a group of people called a queer endeavor out of CU Boulder that offer education for teachers. I'm actually, you know, enrolled in one of their uh, courses right now. And the amazing thing about it, it's an actual graduate credit, but they gave scholarships for the teachers that were able to participate. They have programs in DPS 
and mm-hmm. reach out to the surrounding school areas to offer this education for teachers. They have um, basically non-gendered sexual education classes that schools can- Oh, that's dope. For. That's dope. Yeah, the teacher doesn't have to teach it. They'll send someone in through this other program to offer these classes for students and open up that conversation. But I feel like as, you know, sometimes as an educational system, we're not taking those opportunities because it's not a priority. Yep. (laughs) It's not important in some people's mind, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 100% with that. The, um, it's interesting because it does seem like questions of sex and gender like, like as a society, we're not comfortable with that just in any way, shape or form. Um, <laughs> and, and it seems like that's magnified when it comes to sex and gender as it relates to the LGBTQI community that like, if we're not comfortable with these things just in general, it's even magnified there. And, um, and how we kind of break through that type of ideology is, um, is it's a big challenge we have to face. Do you, am, am I sort of inferring that the both of you have sort of experienced that there's an acknowledgement of the presence and importance of our LGBTQIA plus um, faculty and community, but maybe not necessarily doing the work to really promote inclusivity. Is that kind of what I'm inferring or what, what am I hearing in experience? I don't know about you, Julio, but I don't even know if there's quite an acknowledgement of teachers that are a part of that community I feel like uh, either people know because you've talked to them or their mm-hmm. friends or you know mm-hmm. a lot of teachers yeah. know a lot of teachers and so yep. but it's not really like an acknowledgement yeah uh, and, I, I think yeah I, I mean I feel like we're, we're scratching the surface right with these things but it, it just has to go so much deeper you know um, I know at least in our district right we're making more initiatives to you know, state your pronouns and, and, yeah, and yeah, why yeah. behind that. But that's also like one very small piece of, of this larger yeah. complex puzzle. I know we also have our all-inclusive restrooms, right? Which is the, the gender neutral, yep. um, right? Bathrooms that yep. need to be yep. there. But I don't know, it's just, it's just so much deeper, right? And, and there's so many things um, that we have to do. But fortunately, I, I, I will say this, I have seen, like we have a, our cultural equity and leadership team that does have an LGBTQ plus um, program manager yeah. that, that I think like to what Danielle was talking about, if you reach out to them, they're able to, you know, hook you up with all of these resources. But I, I definitely would say there's so much more to go. So um, again, how do we normalize that heteronormativity isn't what's normal you know what i mean yeah Yeah. that's it you know and 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 that's what it is and and even like just the language we use you know just today i saw something about how coming out that that idea of coming out is a very western um um a western terminology and 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 thinking in the sense that it says that being straight is the default. Yep. And, and, and so how do we come in was what this person was saying. How do we just, you know, just, this yeah. is just who we are. And it's not a, it's not a thing anymore, but that's right. We're far but from it. Almost, it almost seems to imply that if you don't tell straight people that you're gay, then it's not official. Like it almost, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, no, it, almost, says he's, it seems to center again. Like it seems to, you talked about. Have you declared it? Yeah. Have you yeah, declared like, it? Like, as, a, as a Chicano, I don't have to do that. I'm a Chicano whether I tell yeah. you or not. You mean, <laughs> you know? wait, you don't, you don't have a Chicano card? What do you mean? I, you know what? Um, it's been taken from me repeatedly. Uh, so I'm a little, uh, a little frustrated there. But no, I mean, it's interesting because it does center uh, the hetero perspective in that saying that, well, yeah, he's gay, but he's not out. And it's like, well, so, <laughs> so you know, that says more about the environment than uh, than one's sexual orientation, I think. Um, so we, so you know, uh, Julio, you you've got a birthday to get to here very soon, and and you know, we can't we can't let our spouses can't let our spouses uh, have to wait on their birthdays. But we we haven't talked about this like you know clearly, and and that's you know. Uh, it's a difficult question. You can you can uh, kind of um, approach it any way you want to. We have an end segment we like to do, which is top five rappers. If you are somebody who does not listen to hip hop or rap, uh, we can also do what music are you feeling right now? Who are the top five musicians you are feeling? But how y'all feel about giving us a top five? Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. 
Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, we're here with two dope nation. I have to. I'm sorry. Have to. There we go. All right. All right. There we go. All right. <laughs> All right. Top five. Now, I love my lady MC. So Missy Elliott is number yes! one. Oh, my Ooh, God. Missy. She has not been on enough list. I got to tell you, she has yes. not been on enough list. Love Mr. Vita. Missy Elliott. Then we got Meg the Stallion right now. I am just oh, loving Oh, yeah. Yes, I really no. am. I'm feeling it. I'm sorry. I know. And Meg um, spits. She's and fit. then and then Bad Bunny, who is Ooh. reggaeton, but that's yep. our Latinx equivalent. I mean, that works. And so we got Bad Bunny, and then Perfect. after that, we're gonna take it back to Foxy Brown, and yeah. then <laughs> and then and then Nicki Minaj. Oh yes, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> hey, she, she got skills. Like I'm sorry, like I, this might not this might be controversial, but she got skills. Nicki goes hard. Nikki Roman's goes hard. holiday. Come on. Oh yes, that hey. stuff is hard. <laughs> Came, came ready with this top five. This, this there we is go. Love it, love it, love it. How about you, Danielle? Are you are you a hip hop head? You 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 have. Um, to I, I listen to more uh, rock, but uh, right. you know I, I do enjoy hip hop. But I'm I'm totally gonna age myself right now because I'm stuck back. It's all in that good. time, and I think a couple of you guys might be with me, but. Yeah, yeah. I gotta go yeah. with uh, Mecca from Diggable Planet. Yes. Oh, oh there we go. That oh, is. So amazing yes that's a good one <laughs> yeah she's she's up there you know i, I really like their stuff especially that uh blown out comb yes oh uh, man that's taking me back to 13 years old yep. <laughs> <laughs> i have that vinyl on deck Running oh around my God. with a skateboard oh, getting in all sorts of trouble yep. <laughs> yep. so also i gotta throw uh, lauren hill in there so, yes. Ooh, yes a lot of the kind of jazzy funky you know that yeah. type uh, but I, I think a guilty pleasure of mine from back in the day is Mob Deep. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. Did you listen to? Oh uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I just think they talked about things that I had no idea about. I didn't yeah. know about that, you know, East Coast life. And <laughs> yeah. like you so listen the, to Mob Deep and know what it's like to live in Queensbridge. You really yeah, do. Like, you really, really do. do. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, very detailed, very, very detailed. And so yeah. I like them. Uh, I still like the funk with Erica Badu. I don't know yes. if she's really considered an MC, but yes, well, I feel I feel like that's a way that a lot of women MCs get kind of marginalized is that, mm -hmm. well, she sings yep. a little too, so she's a singer, but you know, like Lauren could sing and she could spit, you know, and uh, same thing with Badu. So I'm, I'm down yeah. with Baduism. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think the the last one. I'm always torn between uh Fife and Q-Tip. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Well, you know what, Kevin, tell uh, tell Danielle the rules. Uh you can always you can play uh, yeah, we did explain the rules. You we can did. combine two, you could like have two come in for the top 5. Yep. So you Ooh. can have five and Q-Tip is the top 5. Someone That's had fine. someone had Wu-Tang as one rapper. So Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> you, you got to do what you got to do in your top five. Well, we we uh we endorse both of these top fives. Uh, <laughs> yes, that, that love is it. a cute dope uh, top five. It's I would say it's definitely Dr. Bettina Love level of top. Yes, five, yes. You know, so giving us some stuff to think about. Original, like, original, original. It's beautiful. Well, uh, Danielle, Julio. It's such a pleasure to have you here. The time flew by way too quickly. We will have to do this again. Um, thank you for being here to tell your stories. Yes. Thanks for having us. It was a true pleasure. And just to kind of sit around and chat with you guys, get a good laugh. Always good to, you know, be able to share these experiences with people. And thanks for what you guys are doing. You know, it means a lot to all the teachers out there of all sorts. And so it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. This was amazing. I, I just want to echo that as well. And again, thank you for the work you do. And, you know, it just, this, is, this has just been an awesome experience. You guys are amazing. And we'll need to do this again because uh, to your point, this is one of many inequities where we just scratch the surface with, even yep. when it comes to students and when it comes to adults. Uh, we don't spend a, an, any sort of significant time talking about, you know, how do we not be oppressive towards our colleagues? Um, yep. And I think that's a conversation that needs to be driven. So uh, we have a little way that we like to end the show. 
Um, if you're a listener, you know, uh, I'll ramble just a tiny bit and then we will all try in unison with our unstable internet connections to say, stay dope together. So might be a little tricky, but it's okay, even if we're a little bit off. But the big thing is the emotion you put into it, not so much the timing. Right, Kev? That's it. That's All right. It. So for Julio Alas, for Danielle Williams, for the brilliant and powerful uh, Kevin Adams, almost use your middle name. Uh, and I know you don't like when I do that, so I did. That's why I'm Leonardo Munoz, and we are wishing you in very uncertain times, in times when we are wondering about our own safety and about the safety of our community. We are also wishing you to enjoy the moments that you do have with the people that you love. Stay focused, stay joyful, stay smiling, stay jamming out to this great music. But more than anything, make sure that you always stay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was good, y'all.